2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem, Pittsburgh studios.
0: And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Welcome in, welcome in. It's the heatwave edition of The Ride Home in Pittsburgh today. People, I am telling you, my family picked the perfect time to get air conditioning because <laughs> it is hot. Man. Uh, If you are a uh, regular listener to the show, you might know that over the years that John and I have been doing this show together, we have bonded over the fact that neither of us had home air conditioning. We both live in old houses. uh, It's expensive to put air conditioning in an old house. It's just complicated. Anyway, so we would console ourselves with the fact that there was another family on Earth. uh, Not on Earth, but certainly in the Pittsburgh area, didn't have air conditioning. And... um, So uh, last week, my family and I took the huge leap. We actually installed air conditioning. Now, because it's an old house, it's a little wonky. So there's not AC in the whole house. There's only AC in the portions where we we have forced air. But the portions of our house that are heated by water heat or a fireplace are, of course, night air conditioned, which includes our bedroom. So... I want to tell you, even though I am living my best life in my kitchen and that the living room is super cool and everything's great. When I go to bed, I am telling you it is hot. And this morning at around, I don't know, five thirty, I thought, really, should we just call this off? This like trying to sleep. I think we're done here. I mean, it was just so thick and muggy and everything. Look, I know it's a first world problem, but it is hot in Pittsburgh. Sure. Uh, Surely it will be hotter tomorrow as uh, temps go up to about 96 or 97. Anyway, welcome into the ride home. I'm Kathy Emmons without my on-air partner, the aforementioned John Hall, because he continues to live uh, his best life at the water's edge in North or South Carolina with all of our mutual friends. Except my husband and I. Anyway, I talked to him last night, Lex. He's having an absolutely awesome time. He said, happy birthday Oh. you. And so I asked, how'd the birthday celebration go last night? Oh, it was so much fun. Uh, great. And you did? I uh, went and ate sushi at a place called Sushi Bomb, which is all you can order. So you pay a certain fee and you go in and they just have a whole menu of just a bunch of things you can order. So, um, that's awesome. Uh, I ate my probably my body weight worth <laughs> of sushi. Uh, And then I went to go see the Barbie movie. Oh, that's terrific. Okay, so we talked about it just a little bit before the show. We're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show because at 510, Amy Peeler will join me from uh, Wheaton College. We'll talk about the Barbie movie. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, the chief gardener in the city of Pittsburgh, Doug Oster, is back on the show. His particular focus today is the spotted lanternfly. We're going to talk about how much of it there is in the city of Pittsburgh and its environs, uh, what you can do about it and how he is coping in the giant garden that he has in the North Hills. Um, And in the On Deck Circle, we've got Jerry Boyer. So before we... uh take up too much time here. I want to make sure Jerry and I can talk about um, the Fed meeting that happened yesterday and economic news in the uh, U.S., the things we can look forward to as far as inflation and maybe what stocks did today. Anyway, there's that and much more coming up on today's Ride Home. But it's time to do uh, some news, Lex. So with top four at four, if you just hit that thing. That's the thing. For Thursday... July 27th, 2023. Number one, a federal prison expert who testified about harsh conditions, Robert Bowers could expect at the Bureau of prison supermax. If he receives a life sentence said today during cross-examination that he could also earn privileges for good behavior. That would mean phone calls, recreation and out of cell time, or even playing bingo and trivia and making and selling art. Reading here from the trib today, Maureen Baird, who retired as a federal prison warden in 2016, was called by Bauer's defense attorneys to describe the conditions he might face if the jury does not sentence him to death. Keep in mind that a death sentence has to be unanimous. In her initial testimony, which was yesterday, she painted a picture of a solitary life at the prison bureau's ADX prison, prison Pardon me, in Florence, Colorado. She said that he'd only be out of his cell one to two hours per day, uh, blah, blah, blah. But in cross-examination today... She admitted there are step-down programs at ADX that allow inmates to earn additional privileges. Baird said during direct examination that based on the religious hate crime that Bowers committed, as well as the widespread media attention his case has received, ADX is the only facility where he could be safely housed. In the entire federal prison system, there are 228 inmates with that classification. Number two. Donald Trump's lawyers met today with special counsel Jack Smith's team as federal prosecutors moved just a bit closer toward bringing an indictment against the former president. This you' I know it's hard to keep track of all the indictments, right? This one would be um, his efforts to cling to power after the 2020 election loss. Reading here from The Wall Street Journal. An indictment would open a second federal criminal case against Trump, the frontrunner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination under ironically, the administration led by his rival, President Biden. Smith's office is also prosecuting Trump on a separate 37-count indictment, alleging he retained classified government documents at Mar-a-Lago and obstructed the government's efforts to retrieve them. Number three. Wait do you hear this, Lexi. New data released by the CDC today shows that up to 450,000 people, that's a lot of people in the US, have been affected by alpha-gal syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? A condition spread by tick bites that causes allergic reactions to eating red meat. Can you believe that?
4: Oh my gosh.
3: These figures mark a steep increase in cases since alpha-gal syndrome was first reported in 2008 in Virginia. A group of people had been bitten by ticks, and this is what happened to them. Most cases were identified in southern and eastern states known to harbor the Lone Star tick, whose saliva is linked to this allergy. However, there are also clusters of cases in Minnesota and in Wisconsin. Um, Alpha-gal syndrome causes issues not just with beef, but also with pork or lamb, or uh, particularly organ meat like liver Many patients are able to eat products like milk or cheese, although some may need to cut dairy products as well. Allergic reactions typically appear from two to six hours after exposure to alpha-gal, and that can range from mild symptoms like rashes to life-threatening anaphylaxis. The CDC urges Americans to take steps to avoid tick bites. Now, isn't that crazy? That would ruin my life. (laughs) Oh, my God! That's from CBS News. At number four, the Pirates made, which will likely be the first of several trades today. And this one made me sad, you guys. I really like Carlos Santana. You've got to change your evil ways. Anyway, uh, they flipped him to the Milwaukee Brewers for 18-year-old shortstop Johnny Severino, according to the PG. And that is your top four at four. So I was a big Santana fan. He's a great defensive first baseman. Um, Anyway, Severino, this new guy, one of the Brewers, two big international signings, uh, a bonus of 1.23 million. Uh, MLB Pipeline ranked him 21st in that class, and he was actually somebody the Pirates already scouted. But it just makes me sad about Santana. He's supposed to be such a great leader in the clubhouse. I mean, everybody seems to really love him, respect him. I thought he was great to have for uh, the Latino players, you know, another Spanish speaker. Anyway, it's just something else for me to be sad about when it comes to the Pittsburgh Pirates and really There's such a smorgasbord of things to choose from. Anyway, okay, we're going to take a break, but Jerry Boyer will be with us in just a couple minutes. We'll talk about the economy. We'll talk about the Fed meeting yesterday and all sorts of other assorted things with our good friend Jerry. Stay close. The ride home. 101.5 WORD. I'm Donna Cruz. Join
5: Frank Reed and me this weekend for Keep the Faith.
1: The co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul shares how you have a powerful story. You know more than you think you know because
2: you're God's greatest masterpiece in Ephesians. And once you understand that you're God's greatest masterpiece, you're going to treat yourself different. I hope you can join us for Keep the Faith, Saturday
4: night at 10 on 101.5 WORD FM, WORD.
5: Attention, your money is now controlled by the US government.
4: Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800 900 800 That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000.
3: I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now.
6: The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound
7: impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members,
8: and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life.
1: Eden
6: Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. TV
0: news. It's a love-hate relationship. Well, let's be honest. More hate. We agree. That's why we're different. Salem News Channel has assembled the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. Home to Charlie Kirk, Hugh Hewitt, Eric Metaxas, and more. There's finally a place on TV for lovers of freedom like you. Watch anytime on any screen, free, 24-7. Find what you're looking for at snc.tv. That's snc.tv.
2: Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune into your retirement blueprint with Kurt Knodek and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group, Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
3: Economic news is something that's easy to come by. But figuring out how that economic news impacts us uh, individually, and of course, what the trends mean for our country, is something that um, I think is more difficult to understand. And that's why I really appreciate the approach of our next guest, Jerry Boyer. He's host of the podcast Meeting of Minds, author of The Maker versus The Takers, What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics. And he's also an editor at Town Hall Finance. Jerry, welcome back. Hey, Kathy.
9: Great to be with you.
3: Do you find that often that people want to understand what's going on with their money, but when it comes to like the overall trends uh, in America or internationally speaking, people's eyes kind of glaze over?
9: Yeah. Or when they talk about overall trends, they kind of go into a different mode, like, talking about politics or Mm, talking about sports rivalries, uh, they sort of get into unreality (laughs) mode. Yeah. uh, So that everyone has has an opinion, but it doesn't really matter what it is because we're just kind of on a bar stool talking. Uh, And then when they start thinking about their own money, then they kind of get serious. Um, And, you know, some of the great economists uh, of the past um, have kind of made the point that if you want to understand what someone's economics are, Um, you have to not say, what do they say about economics, but see how they act. So someone might, for instance, decry the profit motive, uh, they might write books about socialism, but do they give those books away for free? Mm. Well, if they don't, then they're showing by their behavior that they actually do believe in the profit motive. I remember a long time ago, back when I was a radio host, I interviewed somebody, someone who was a woman of the left. Uh, and she had written a book about economic royalism, about how corporations and businesses, they're like royalty and they rule over the rest of us. And I started to ask a few questions. It wasn't highly confrontational. Um, and she got really upset. And on the break, you know, I picked up the phone and she said, I'm hanging up. I'm not doing this interview. None of your people are going to buy my book anyway. Uh, so it's like, well, hmm. wait a minute. What do you care? Whether <laughs> they're going to buy the book. Right. You, I mean you know I'm, you're 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 a socialist you don't believe in the profit motive but of course she did interestingly enough later on that day her husband called the uh, general manager of the station to complain um, that his wife was mistreated. So I thought, oh, well, capitalism and the patriarch. <laughs> <laughs>
10: so,
3: when it really counts, hey.
10: Um,
3: okay, but let, me sec- let me interrupt you so, for one second. Let me interrupt you for one second, Jer, because it does seem that in our current culture, people are rewarded or punished more for what they say than what they do.
9: Right, so when you're talking about economics as opposed to being an economic actor, you're in that game of the social status hierarchy. What am I? What tribe am I in? What will I say that will get me in trouble? Or what will I say that will boost me and get somebody else in trouble? This is something, you know, there's a there's a kind of a status hierarchy. And so economic talk really becomes status hierarchy talk, not really economic talk, which is why I think, by the way, you find so many people who are wealthy speaking to the left. Because in some sense, they won the economic game, And if they talk as though um, capitalism is good and their results are good and they deserve it, that subjects them to envy. So by living right and talking left, they kind of repel the envy a little bit. Hmm. Um, And I remember once a rabbi called my show and he said, oh, well, my people, you know, they're very wealthy and they're very um, members of my synagogue. Uh, They make a lot of money and um, and they're highly successful and they're professional, but they're liberals. And he was making that an item of kind of bragging. See, they don't, you know, they don't talk their interest, and I, and you know, they, they vote for higher taxes. I said, well, yes, but do any of them voluntarily give higher taxes because you can do that. The IRS, Anytime time you want, any time you want, you can overpay and they'll accept it. You can make a donation. So really, what they're doing is they're pursuing two goals at this: they're pursuing profit maximization and they're pursuing social status maximization by talking left. So Frederick Bastiat. Um, the famous economist, um, said that if you really want to know, if you really want to understand economics, just look at what people do and ignore what they say. Mm
3: -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about then uh, what people are doing and um, how that relates to the Fed meeting that happened yesterday.
9: Well, what they're doing is they haven't gone into a recession yet. Um, And so, Uh, you know, no matter how people talk about the economy and people have talked about the economy as if it's doing very, very badly, especially conservatives. I'm a conservative. We have a vested interest in saying the economy is doing very, very badly because our guy isn't president.
3: Right. Um,
9: Right. But the fact is that they're still buying and selling and they're acting um, as though the economy is doing fine and people are waiting to go back to work and they're staying out of the job market. So, for all of the apocalyptic language and and um, you know rhetoric in the country, and by the way, it's not just conservatives; everyone's talking apocalyptically. They're living normally, and if they're living normally, then that means they really believe, within when it really counts, that things are pretty normal. Now, I'm not saying there won't be a recession. All I'm saying is we found out today uh, that we weren't in a recession yet in the second quarter. Uh, so as of the end of June, no recession. Um, I, I think we probably will have a kind of a shallow recession. People are buying stocks. Uh, they don't do that when they think the economy is going to do badly. Uh, they're buying tech stocks and growth stocks. So people are acting as though the economy is rolling along. Uh, in, and in terms of buying inflation hedges, they're still buying them. So there's still an elevated risk of inflation. Uh, but What are um, inflation you
3: know. hedges, Jerry?
9: Uh, gold, okay. which is up a fair amount this this year. Uh, Bitcoin, but the classic inflation hedge is something called a a treasury inflation-protected um, security. It's basically, there's a kind of treasury you can buy that protects you against inflation. When If you, let's say you buy a $10,000 bond uh, and you hold it, it's a five-year bond. At the end, they don't just give you $10,000 back. They give you $10,000 plus more to account for the inflation. So that's Mm -hmm. the classic inflation uh, inflation hedge. So I I don't make a lot of economic predictions myself. I kind of just look at what people are doing. And I think people are acting as though markets and behavior is acting as though the economy is pretty normal. Um, Decent chance of a shallow recession. Inflation is somewhat elevated, but a lot less elevated than before. These tips, these inflation hedges have gone down a fair amount. Uh, in the past several months. So people are less worried about inflation than they were before. Now, back two and a half, three years ago, people were buying those. So that made me afraid of inflation. Apart from my own guesses about the future, I was worried about inflation because I saw people buying inflation hedges. Mm -hmm. Now I've seen people selling inflation hedges. So again, there's a political conversation. It's the end of the world. Everything's terrible. And then there's how people actually act.
3: So what does that mean for the average person who's trying to figure out what to do with their, you know, uh, the 10 percent maybe of their income that they're saving? Um, What can that kind of what 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 decisions would that cause the average person to make um, who's just, you know, working with a relatively small amount of cash?
9: I would hope it wouldn't cause them to make any decisions differently at all. Um, That's just yapping you know we, we have we have a society in which there's constant yapping constant a buzz of discussion everyone's got an opinion uh, there used to be the three cable networks then there were more then there were excuse me the, the broadcast networks then the cable along comes talk radio then along comes uh, social media and everyone on Twitter is a microblogger we are just constantly marinating in cheap talk um, and it's I think Basically, I think you should ignore it. I know we're doing it now. I hope it's not cheap, but we're part of the Yappa sure, right now. Right. And what I'm trying to say is as somebody, okay, so I, I just turned 60. My first radio, I think was there, um, you know, early mm-hmm. 20s. So let's make the math easy. It's 40 years that I've been doing TV and radio and then blogging and all the rest of it. And what I'm saying is people take it too seriously They get too emotionally wound up about it. And I think that what you can reasonably hope for is once in a while to come across some some real insights, but understand that most of that system, most of the time is just trying to grab your attention. So I've talked to so many financial advisors who are approached by clients because they see something about the blood moons, or they hear something on Glenn Beck, or they saw something on Tucker, or now it's not Tucker anymore, and they come in with the big thing Right. And they want to completely redo their portfolio and they want to sell it all and buy gold. I remember having a conversation with someone, I can't say more, just a wealthy individual around the blood moon time, wanted to sell it all and buy buy land because of the blood moon prophecies, because that was all over Christian media and especially Christian TV, less so radio. You guys weren't doing blood moon stuff. Salem wasn't, but a lot of Christian TV broadcasting was. Um, and this, this is I was brought in to talk this poor soul off the cliff uh, because he was going to make decisions based on the Yappa sphere. So I think basically w- when someone's tuned in here, expect John and Kathy to be calm, to not exploit you and to try to get to the truth to the best of their ability and stay away from the shriek machine um, that is elsewhere. And for Pete's sake, do not be letting the talk about the economy change your investment strategy if you've got an investment professional follow the plan because almost every investment methodology you can be a value investor you can be a momentum investor you can be a you know what's called a passive investor you just buy more of whatever is the highest value now all of those strategies beat the frenetic strategy changing Mm. most Mm -hmm. do-it-yourself investors change strategies which means that after something has gone up a lot, they're very excited about it and they buy it. So they're actually buying things when they're expensive. And then they go down a lot and they feel bad about it and they sell it. So they're selling things when they're inexpensive. So they're, they're see, they're, see, they're contrary. They're going against value discipline. So find a basic reasonable plan. Anything that's in any of the, if there's, if there's a book, of dummy's guide for investing is going to be four or five chapters. Any one of those chapters. If one of them sounds right to you, follow that if you're doing it yourself. And then just follow it. Don't mm-hmm. change up based on the app. Um, So, you know, what do I think is going on with the economy? I told you what I think is going on with the economy. I could be wrong, but I would not expect or urge anybody to make any significant or major changes to their investment or financial plans based on what I just said.
3: That's Jerry Boyer. He's the host of the podcast Meeting of Minds. He also is, as he said, a blogger. He's done tons of TV and radio over the years, and we're always grateful because he joins us here every single month. Jerry, we need to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask why you think Christians are particularly susceptible to, like, the big drama moment, you know, the the blood moon or whatever it is. We'll talk about that next. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting The Ride Home.
7: Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does JD waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold, and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And, JD waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Attention
11: taxpayers. If you or your business owe the IRS back taxes or have years of unfiled tax returns, the IRS has green lighted billions of dollars in tax relief to those facing financial hardship through its tax relief initiatives. If you have a delinquent tax problem and possibly facing wage garnishment, liens, levies, audits, or already in a payment plan, you may now qualify for significant relief. Qualifying and enrolling in this program could stop all collections, settle your tax problem, and may even reduce Reduce what you owe by up to 99%. Call the hotline at tax help USA to see if you qualify and receive your free tax assessment by dialing 800-419-0017. If you or your business owe back taxes to the IRS or state, you can now get the help that you need during these hard economic times. Get your free tax assessment to see what you qualify for by dialing 800-419-0017. 800-419-0017. That's 800 419 zero zero
6: one seven roofing siding or remodeling seven two four new roof
5: ask alexa to play the word pittsburgh to hear us there we're on your google speaker too plus iheart tune in and on odyssey 101.5 wordfm
12: pittsburgh i drive my bus in a busy city that's why road safety is so important to me I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
1: Heat advisory in effect late tomorrow morning through tomorrow evening. For tonight, it'll be humid with patchy clouds and a low of 70. Near record-breaking highs tomorrow, it'll be humid with clouds and sun, high 93. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, warm, couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm. Flash flooding and damaging winds possible, low 71. Mostly cloudy Saturday, humid, showers and a heavy thunderstorm, high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: Back with Jerry Boyer. He's the author of The Baker versus the Takers what Jesus really said about social justice and economics. Uh, Jerry, yeah, as you were talking, the, this question came into my head, and I'm sure over the years we've probably discussed it. Um, Maybe once or twice, but still, you know, for all the people publicly who have uh, spouted different theories about uh, end times, whether it's you know an economic collapse or it's you know coming persecution of Christians or whatever, um, or you know someone like Harold Camping who had a date that the world was going to end or the blood moon thing or whatever it is, most of those people who spout those types of ideas are usually Christians or have some connection with. With the Christian Church. So, why do you think that is?
9: Yeah, well, if they're talking about that kind of apocalypticism, yeah, that would tend to be Christians, right? Because that's Christian apocalypticism, right? Blood moons and the rest of it. I mean, the the secular folks have their own, you know, Gaia's angry and she's going to burn you up uh, because you drive a car. Uh, so there is a generally apocalyptic mood. Uh, I think in our culture.
7: That's true. But That's a there's,
9: there's a certain kind that we're susceptible to, you know, overpopulation. I mean, you go back to the 1970s and mm-hmm. the predictions that the earth will be white hot right. with the body of the overpopulation, you know, and we've gone from 4 billion people to, you know, 8 billion plus, heading towards 10 billion. Uh, and we are more prosperous than we've ever been before. We don't have mass starvation, we have a global obesity crisis. Um, just to be clear, I mean that the, the major health crisis in the world now is from excess, not mm. from the mass starvation that we were told was going to come from the Club of Rome talked about this, and it all goes back to Thomas Malthus, um, the Reverend Thomas Malthus, who read that who read in Genesis that cursed is the ground because of you, and from it you will eat of the sweat of your brow and it will bring forth th- for, bring forth thorns and thistles. So he saw the curse and didn't kind of read a few verses later that the Messiah is going to crush the head of the serpent. So he's got creation and fall and curse, but not redemption. Um, I think that something happened with evangelicals in particular, happened about 100 years ago, with a shift to a new view of prophecy, which had been almost unknown before, um, practically unknown in church history. Uh, And it really accelerated after Israel became a state in Mm -hmm. 1948. Sure. And then it super accelerated in the 1970s with the rise of the Arab states and the rise of the um, you, you, you became the European Union later, um, which had 10 members. And see, that's the 10 heads of Revelation. Of course, mm-hmm. now it has 30 members. So I don't know. How do we deal with that? Right. We That it keeps shifting around. You don't. Know, if this is a really rare view in the history of the church, it's there a little bit in Tertullian, you know, among the church fathers. But the reformers didn't view it this way. Um, the, Roman, the Roman Catholics didn't view it this way. The Eastern Orthodox didn't, and it basically came to the view: you know, the, the couple of things. One, we will lose until Jesus comes back. We will lose. Um, so things are going to get worse and worse and worse, and all the terrible things that we read about, say in Matthew twenty-four, mm-hmm. are coming. Um, now, the people who founded this country, Pilgrims and Puritans had a view that we're going to win. That's why they took the chance of coming here, that the gospel is more powerful, um, that the uh, gates of hell will not prevail against his church, that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth the way the waters cover the sea. Um, So there was a shift away from that optimistic eschatology towards a pessimistic one. Then I think it has to do with newspapers and then later broadcasting. We're going to lose and we're going to lose soon. Um, because Israel became a state in 1948, and Jesus said, this generation will not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. And somehow they think this generation meant that generation, 1948, rather than this generation that he was talking to. Because normally one would think if he's looking around and he's pointing at the temple and saying that temple's going to be torn down, this generation will not pass away, that he's talking about this generation. And that's how almost all the church fathers read it, that he was talking about, the destruction of Jerusalem, not the end of the world for most of that passage. But somehow we got it into this generation. So a generation's 40 years, so 1988, and that didn't happen. Well, maybe generations are different now. Maybe they're 60 years. Or someone said, well, you know, Noah lived to 100. So a generation's 100 years. But at some point, I think we're going to run out of the ability to stretch the definition of generation and maybe throw out that whole system. So because a very popular school of prophecy, popularized by the Left Behind books, and the left behind movies uh, with Kirk Cameron. By the way, Kirk tells me I've left behind left behind. He doesn't believe okay, that's
3: really, anything, all right. right.
9: But but tens and t- of millions. No kidding. Of evangelicals haven't left it behind. So we lived in this constant expectation that the second coming is about to occur, and every bit of news coming out of the Middle East is immediately put into that grid. Uh, or every cultural decline is immediately put into that grid. And so we expect the end. We expect apocalyptic. We expect a soon antichrist. Uh, and it doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem to matter how often we predict it's about to happen. And it doesn't. And it doesn't, we, right. And it doesn't. And when, no one ever stops and says, wait a minute, maybe the framework is wrong. You know, if somebody, if, if somebody, if you go to a doctor and they give you a test and the test says, oh, you're going to die of cancer next year, and you don't. And then they give you a test. And oh, you're going to die of cancer next year. Well, and, and you don't. And that keeps going on for like 40 years. It's been happening since the 1970s. <laughs> um, maybe at some point you say, uh, maybe, the te- maybe the test isn't right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, maybe you're looking at this the wrong way. Maybe we've got another hundred years. Maybe we've got another thousand years. Maybe we've got another 10,000 years. Um, but so much of an industry has been built up around eschatological or prophetic hype. And it's just drummed into our heads that I think we're pretty susceptible to these scares, which then don't pan out.
3: Well, you make a good point, Jerry, in saying that there is apocalyptic tendencies on both sides. So it's not just in Christianity. I guess I'm so attuned to it because it's my tribe. And I think, really? Like, you know, it's just embarrassing. But when you think about, you know, the Greta Thurberg and we think about, you know, the whole, you know, the guys who go around uh, college campus to college campus and say, if you really care about the earth or care about people, you won't have children. You know, I mean, that same thing. So I I guess the extremists are on both ends.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, we've got global warming suicides. We we have people literally committing suicide over global warming. Um, I mean, that's ideological child abuse. A lot of mental health crisis for teenagers and people in their early twenties is there because people are whipping up fear mm-hmm. about the end of the world. Now I know it's probably not the best day of the year for me to be playing <laughs> <Right.
10: you know, laughs> right.
9: that down, um, but uh, you know, I'm st- I'm going to do it anyway um, because it again, you know, the inconvenient truth had us underwater. What ten years ago? Yeah uh and and yet it hasn't let's go back to what do people do versus what do they say why are they not abandoning their malibu homes
3: okay now hold on for a minute i'm going to go to a break and we're going to come back and talk about why they're not abandoning their malibu homes and we'll talk about it with jerry jerry will be with us for the uh rest of this hour so stay close it is the heat wave edition of i know 101.5
5: WORD. James is saying it's okay to pray
0: and petition God in the time of suffering. Don't you stop asking God in the times of trouble. But please praise Him with the same intensity and
5: with the same desire, with the same diligence and with the same persistence when He answers your prayer. Make plans to join Dr. Michael Youssef this week on Leading the Way.
1: Tomorrow morning at six thirty on one hundred one point five W O R D.
12: The roof was completely gone. All of our memories being wiped away.
1: The rain is what got. Yes. Twenty minutes of sheer terror. And you can feel it in your body. I watched the fire move down the canyon. The rumbling of the house.
12: My son started screaming. We're gonna die. We're gonna die. In the name of Jesus, we are not gonna die. At Samaritan's Purse, we bring spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. We go into dangerous situations because in disaster, in disease, in war, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, to heal the sick, feed the hungry, restore the broken. All who work and volunteer with Samaritan's Purse follow the example of Jesus. We go to serve, not to be served. And we go in Jesus' name. Join us.
13: major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income call 800-287-6691 that's
6: 800-287-6691 Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The ride homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise.
3: Continuing the hour with her friend Jerry Boyer, who's the author of "The Maker Versus the Takers: What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics." When we started our conversation with Jerry uh, at uh, shortly after four o'clock, we were talking about how, you know, it's different how people talk than what they actually do, uh, and, and that affects everybody on all sides of every aisle. Um, but when it comes to economics, you know, people can be, you know, crying the big tears, uh, but when it comes to how they're spending their money, it doesn't look like they're nearly that pessimistic. Um, Jerry, talk about uh, the people who are buying houses in Malibu. What does that make you think of?
9: Well, it makes me think they don't really believe that the, that the uh, sea level is going to rise soon. Uh, they would be moving. <laughs> They'd be picking up and moving. Um, and insurance companies would be reflecting that risk uh, of the risk of the inevitable you know, rising of the sea level, um, which we haven't seen. I mean, you can go to Plymouth Rock and guess where the water is? Plymouth Rock's at the same water level <laughs> it's been. Um, even I, I mean, I'm not saying there isn't global warming. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to pin down this data, but Of course, when ice melts, if you put ice in a um, bucket of water and the ice melts, the water level doesn't rise. Because um, when ice melts, some of it's sticking up, but ice also expands when it freezes. So the water level stays the same. So there are various feedback mechanisms. Um, So, you know, but if they really believe that the water level is about to rise precipitously, they would make major life changes. One one practical thing for me is I'm dealing a lot in the area of corporations and proxy voting and ESG. I talk to companies a lot, um, you know, to their investor relations departments, et cetera, uh, to the proxy services. And I keep saying, well, wait a minute, if you really believe that global warming is this huge systemic risk, you would not be throwing out fossil fuel companies. I mean, a lot of them are landlocked. You wouldn't be divesting yourself from Oklahoma um you'd be you would you i mean these oil companies are making profit selling oil and then somebody else has the cost who who's to somebody else somebody who lives near a beach so if you really believe that this was an imminent threat you wouldn't be divesting from fossil fuel companies mm. you would be divesting from real estate in portland seattle manhattan and boston um but you're not you're not making the, that decision that's where you say the, the uh, economic effect will be. So that's where the risk is. So really, what what's really going on is they want to attack energy companies. Um, if, if their thesis is right, energy companies are, it's really good for them. They get to sell oil and make a profit and the global warming, which it allegedly causes, is somebody else's problem. Hmm. Well, then they ought to be divesting the somebody else, not the oil companies. But they don't really believe it. They're engaged with, you know, moral signaling, virtue signaling. Um, And I think it's the same with, you know, people who live on the coast, the Portland, the Seattle, the Manhattan and Boston folks. They talk a lot about these things, but they don't behave as if their cities are about to be underwater.
12: Right.
3: Yeah. And I wonder if it's one of those things that you're saying what you feel like you have to say because the culture has deemed that that's the educated approach. That's the pro science approach.
9: Yes, I think that's exactly what it is. So, in terms of a Christian anthropology, a Christian view of human nature, um, and I want to turn to Jesus on this one. He talks about hypokrites, hypocrites, but hypokrites doesn't. We have a word, hypocrite, is oh, you a- act the opposite of what you of what you say. Well, that's not exactly what, what what the word means. The word means a mask wearer. It refers to actors. It's literally someone under critics. An actor is under the critics. Hupo, hypodermic needle, under. Kretes, critic, you get it. I mean, you can hear, you know, the Mm -hmm. echoes. So we all are in a giant play, is what Jesus seems to be saying. And in this play, we're all actors. And we put on a mask and we say the things that will make us seem good. And we say the things, you know, the darker side of this is that will make other people bad because status is it's a zero sum game. I I have to get mine at the expense of somebody. (laughs) If I'm going to be up at the top, if I'm cool, somebody else has to not be, right? Right. Um, It's just like seventh grade. Precisely, you know, and uh, so there's got to be scapegoats. There's got to be someone at the bottom in order for someone to be at the top. Yeah, I mean, human human nature doesn't change from seventh grade. It doesn't change from men to adult life. It's just the stakes get higher. So once you take Jesus's analogy seriously, we're in this play and we're playing a part. Now, at some point you go home, you take off the mask and then you then you you kind of reveal who you really are by the real decisions that you make. Um, And so you look at what people are really doing, not what they're masking, not what they're fronting. Um, And that applies to left and that applies to right. That's everybody. That is not a liberal thing. That's not a conservative thing. That's a human. That's a person thing.
3: And so when we see our, I mean, I see myself do that all the time. Uh, And every time I see it, I think, no, 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 no. Like there has to be a more transparent way to live than just saying what I feel like needs to be said. But it's it's such a uh, it's such a cultural pressure right now. I don't know if it's probably because we have such access to technology and access to social media. And there are so many opinions that are just hovering all over us. You think why do you think that's why there's 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 more of a tendency to that?
9: I think that what's happened now is the show is now a global show. So, for a long time, there are all these local shows, you know, you and your school, right? Or you and your town when you become a grown up, or you and your neighborhood, right? So, you've got this competition for status that's essentially a local competition. Now, I can read your Twitter feed. You can read my Twitter feed. You can see me on Facebook. I can say, let's forget about the fact that you're also a talk show host. Um, and that I'm somebody who's in media once in a while. We're a little bit public. Doesn't matter. That distinction is not really a hard distinction anymore. Everybody's a talk show host, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> right? Um, so anybody who's FaceTiming, anyone who's TikTokking, anyone can see it all around the world. So there's now one gigantic screen hovering over planet Earth. And there's billions and billions of little shows that anyone can zoom in on at any time. And you can go viral if you do the right thing, meaning usually do the wrong thing, but you do something that's freakish or hits the right nerve. So there's the possibility of being really important. There's also the possibility of doing something really foolish and having your life ruined. So now there's global, global might overstate it, English-speaking world, let's say there's English speaking world implicate possibilities and implications to everything we're doing. So that kind of, it kind of turns up the stakes in some ways. In other words, in other ways it turns it down because now it's divided over so many people. But you can only pay
3: attention to so many voices.
9: Exactly. So, you know, I mean, you're the Pope, you're the president. uh, I mean, you're super, you're, um, you know, some kind of super, uh, uh, you're Taylor Swift whatever, Um, there's a few people who get almost all the attention and everybody else is just sort of riding in their wake Um, and I think Jesus kind of foresaw this when he gave us the analogy of play actors that were in that play and that people are not what they present themselves as being and he didn't say some of you are not what you portray yourselves as being. This is a human universal. He's the only he yeah. wasn't, he was really in some sense the only maskless person. Um, and C.S. Lewis comes along and says, What we need to do is put on the mask of Jesus, not the mask of what we pe- think people want to see, but the mask of Jesus. And he said, Over time, our faces will actually take on mm-hmm. the shape of Jesus's face, but we have to be imitating Christ, not imitating anybody else. Now, there might be people in your life who are kind of like Christ. So you might say, what would, so, you know, my dad was a really good man or my mom was a really good woman. They're Christ-like. So what would they do in this situation? So I'm not saying you really literally only imitate Christ because, you know, there are other good people in your life, not as good as Christ. He's perfect and they're, you know, somewhat like him, but imitating the good and essentially ignoring the rest. The problem is good is boring in a world of titillating evil, so true, um, and, so, and true. so it's really hard to overcome the boredom uh, of goodness. Now, goodness isn't really boring. As you get deeper into it in wisdom, it's thrilling beyond belief. I mean, the, the difference between the, the, the you know the, the excitement of 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 true religion of Christianity um, and falsehood is the difference between marriage and pornography. True, true faith is like the real thing but what's grabbing your attention every day in social media and every other place
3: is like the worldview equivalent of pornography yeah that's exactly right boy that's a good word jerry i appreciate that allegory never thought of it that way before we need to take a break when we come back we're talking about reading watching what's jerry doing what's next
12: ride home
6: doing it right roofing siding remodeling the first owens corning mvp in pittsburgh and one of the longest tenured platinum contractors in the pittsburgh region call 724
1: new roof
8: let's face it talking about life insurance is never easy But after we watched a close friend lose her husband with no insurance, we decided that wasn't going to happen to our family.
1: Yeah, but shopping for life insurance can be almost as difficult as talking about it.
8: But then we heard about Ethos Life Insurance. They're a new kind of life insurance, built for people on a busy schedule, who don't have time for unnecessary doctor's visits, fine print, or hidden fees. You know, who want to keep it simple.
9: I couldn't believe how easy it was. We answered a few basic questions, and within minutes, we had an estimate of what it would cost and what sort of policy made sense for us.
8: I never imagined life insurance could be so
9: affordable. And accessible.
8: The peace of mind knowing that our future is secure, it just removes a lot of the fear around getting older and...
9: Yeah, the
6: unexpected.
8: I'm glad we talked about it.
6: I'm glad we went with ethoslife.com.
11: Go to getethos.com now for your free estimate. That's getethos.com. Getethos.com. As a
0: local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said.
6: Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city.
1: Learn more at
6: SurroundPittsburgh.com. SurroundPittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. SurroundPittsburgh.com reports of new state requirements for pa public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics now may be a great time to try christian education a faith-focused education that believes in transparency parents and that values every student get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you like pittsburgh christian academy in west mifflin Learn more at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you. Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The Ride Homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinnercruise. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? right, call doing it right. 724 New Roof.
3: And just the last... 45 or so on-air minutes, we've talked with Jerry Boyer about economics and uh, financial planning, prophecy, climate change, and hypo- hypocrisies like pornography. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to cover, Jer. I got to tell you, in such a short amount of time, uh, let's close out just the last couple minutes. I want to hear about your reading and your watching. So uh, tell me what's going on.
9: My reading. All mm-hmm. right. So when you ask this, it's like I have to go into my head. I go upstairs because that's my book reading. Go, you know, night okay. What do I pick up? First, I pick up The Victory According to Mark right now. Mark Horn has a new edition of his commentary on Mark's gospel. Oh, interesting. The Victory According to Mark. It's very good. He's found some new insights about the structure of the gospel that I'm finding very persuasive um, and just really enjoying that, working my way through that. Um, and so that's, you know, that's the first thing I read. That's not the only thing I read. Mm -hmm. Also, I read a lot of like what people would call apparatus, you know, like reference works. Okay. There's a lot of like Bible dictionaries and commentaries and lexicons. That's most of my study reading, not books per se. Okay. Um, but that's boring. I'm not going to, you know, what what am I going to say? I'm not going to list all the dictionary, all the Greek dictionaries. So uh, here's something a little, a little, um, offbeat. Um, when, when I'm, when I'm tired of reading the Bible commentary, I, I tend to read a lot of youth lit. Yeah. And when I was a little kid, like a little, like eight years old, my pop pop gave me a set of books about Tom Swift, the boy inventor.
10: Mm, mm -hmm. Um,
9: And so it's a little bit like Nancy Drew or Hardy boys invention. Right. And these books started the turn of the last century. He invented the motorcycle, right? So they, they have to be new inventions. So these are these are things I read as I was a little kid. They're very optimistic about the future, and it's a family business. And like someone has, re- someone who loved them as a kid is now writing them again with like new Tom Swift books, and that's what I'm reading for fun.
3: That's very cool. I like that. Okay, thirty seconds left. Tell me what you're uh, watching.
9: Oh, uh, last night we were watching the new Jim Gaffigan comedy special. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Um, <laughs> Yep, so Jim Gaffigan's always fun, and uh, we've been watching Pink Panther on weekends with our grandson, going through the series, and uh, Max McLean's one-man show about the Gospel of Mark is something we've Oh,
3: yeah? You know, I've never it seen that.
9: Perfect. He is so good. He Remember is so I good. The whole book oh, it it's fun.
3: incredible, so, isn't it? Yes. All right, that's Jerry Boyer. Jerry, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Gaff. Be right back. We
5: are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
6: Pure talk today.
11: With SRN News, I'm John Scott.
0: President Biden welcomes Italy's prime minister to the White House for talks this afternoon. When the conservative Georgia Maloney won Italy's election last September, the president warned about the rise of hard-right populism, and the White House didn't hide its disagreement with the new prime minister's policies. However, Biden officials say that Maloney has proven to be a steady ally in the U.S.-led effort to assist Ukraine against Russia's invasion, and the war will be a main focus of today's Oval Office meeting. White House correspondent Greg Cluxton. Russian President
11: Putin has told leaders and officials from most African countries His nation is making full efforts to avert a global food crisis, despite concerns that its withdrawal from a deal allowing grain shipments from Ukraine will cause price spikes. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 183 points, and the Nasdaq is losing 56 now. This is SRN News.
5: cream for ice cream that's exactly what's happening every day at the springhouse in 84 we're literally up to our elbows in ice cream but who could resist a cotton candy ice cream cone or how about cookie dough or Heath crunch or even raspberry chocolate yogurt you've just got to try them all if not a cone then how about a toasted almond fudge ball creamy vanilla ice cream rolled in toasted chopped almonds and topped with gooey hot fudge and real whipped cream or better yet a strawberry ice cream shortcake made with real old-fashioned shortcakes smothered with sliced strawberries and again real whipped cream jump in the car now head to 84 in the Springhouse, where we want you to scream for ice
7: cream i think we can all agree that every moment at eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now
6: The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a
7: profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my
8: family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life.
6: Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org.
2: When you begin a project, it's important to have the right tools. When you study the Bible, it's important to have the right system. The book Knowable Word presents a proven three-step approach to help you correctly interpret and learn from God's Word without relying on commentaries. This is a system the author has used successfully for years. Ask for your copy of Knowable Word, available today from Truth for Life at truthforlife.org donate.
14: Terry Wortenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Experience a night out in Pittsburgh aboard our Captain's Dinner Cruise. See our beautiful city while you enjoy a delicious dinner, DJ music, and the great company of family and friends. Make your reservations now for a night out on the water at GatewayClipper.com.
6: Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like the potential to participate in credited interest from market-indexed returns and limit the downside? Join Michael Battellini for the Retirement and Income Radio Show Saturdays at 11:30 a.m. here on Word FM. You can also call Michael Battellini now for your complimentary customized Retirement and Income Radio Kit and Retirement and Income Radio Book at 1-844-449-SAFE. That's 1-844-449-723.
5: One hundred one point five WORD FM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying "Play the Word Pittsburgh" and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey.
1: Heat advisory in effect late tomorrow morning through tomorrow evening. For tonight, it'll be humid with patchy clouds and a low of 70. Near record-breaking highs tomorrow, it'll be humid with clouds and sun, high 93. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, warm, couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm, flash flooding and damaging winds possible, low 71. Mostly cloudy Saturday, humid, showers and a heavy thunderstorm, high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
2: Welcome to another edition of the
0: Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Welcome into the heatwave edition. It is the Ride Home. I'm Kathy Emmons in the Word FM studios on the other side of the window from Lexi Merritt, who is the producer of the program. Lexi, happy to have you here today. Happy day after your birthday. Thanks. The third uh, member of our triumvirate is still vacationing in the Carolinas. So we wish John Hall the best and he'll be back with us next week. Um, but, you know, I, as I was outside today and man, it is a hot one. I was thinking about my favorite summer things to do in Pittsburgh. So this is something that comes to me. Uh, about this time every year when I feel like summer's kind of slipping away. And I think, wait a minute, wait a minute, I I haven't done X, Y, Z. You know, these are the things I I have to do. It's not summer if I don't do these things. So um, one of them is to go spend at least one evening down at the point at sunset. It's such a beautiful thing to do. And so anyway, at the end of last week, my husband and I decided, well, we have to do it. So... Uh, we went down. We parked in Market Square, and then we walked down um, past what used to be the Hilton at the Point, which now I th- think is the Wyndham. It's hard to keep track of the changing hotel names. Uh, and then we we walked to the Point, and Point State Park is great. I love it. I love the beautiful fountain. I just, if you've never gone down there at sunset, you just you have to treat yourself to do it. It's just. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, So there are a lot of kids. There are a lot of dogs. There are old people, young people. Um, It was a really beautiful night. It had been hot that day. And so it was like kind of the cool down, that beautiful type of really still evening that happens after a really hot day. Uh, And so I was just sitting there, you know, enjoying everything about it. Um, But the one thing that really jumped out at me uh from that trip and we we didn't do it last year Is that true? Yeah, we didn't do it last year. We had done it, you know, each each year before because it's kind of a tradition for us. But Market Square has really changed. There's a different atmosphere in Market Square than there was a year ago. Um, and I'm not an authority on Market Square. Uh, I always go down at Christmas for the Christmas market. I always try to grab at least one lunch at Primanti's, uh in Market Square sometime during the year. Uh, so it's not something that, you know, it's not a place I'm at every week. However, it was a marked difference uh, than a year ago, and I want to bring it up on the air uh, simply because I guess it's a call to uh, our city government and also to all of us who live in Pittsburgh uh, to try uh, to figure out what is afflicting um, places in Pittsburgh like the South Side or like Market Square to um, being there last Thursday night, uh, the first thing I noticed was that there I mean there's there's a large vacancy. the restaurant that used to be poros on the corner there, uh, right across from Permanes, which was two other things since poros. Um, but it's empty, so of course, that's an issue. Um, some of the other restaurants over Covid have turned over. You know, I get that, of course. Um, but it just seems kind of sketch. And there are a lot of kids down there. I would say I probably saw 30 kids that were between 11 and 14. I mean, 30 kids. That's a lot of kids. Um, Loud music. uh, I'm a huge fan of loud music. I play my own music loud. So I'm not trying to look down on somebody uh, for playing loud music. But putting all those things together together. It just made Market Square not feel as welcoming, safe, or cool as it did a year ago uh, I don't know what the answer is, but I know that if you don't mention it, you can't manage it, and so I want to bring it up on the air because I love Market Square, uh, I love the city of Pittsburgh, and I really love being able to go down to the point, um especially in the summer months and so um I don't know. I guess uh, I'm calling on anyone who's within the sound of my voice to uh, be a part of the solution. I don't know what that is. I don't know what uh, – I, I don't feel like it's too far gone. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, it's a cataclysm. It's not a cataclysm, um, but it could become one if uh, something isn't done pretty soon. So um, – For people who want to invest, uh, people who are interested in starting something new in Market Square, I think it would be a great time to do it. Um, And let's continue to support our police, um, those who are committed with their lives on the line to keep us safe. Let's continue to support moms and dads um, who often are uh, at economic disadvantage and trying to be good parents and take care of their kids. Let's support them. Let's continue to urge communication between uh, our city government, those who live in the city and the churches that are in the city and are there to worship and serve. And uh, I know that doesn't sound very specific, but you know what? It's a start. We're going to come back after the break. Amy Peeler is going to be with us and we're talking Barbie. Lexi Merritt, our producer, went to see it last night. Amy went to see it too. We'll talk about it next, see what you think. It's the ride home. Stay cool.
5: WORD. It's summer
1: in Pittsburgh, but already Word FM is talking about heading back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals now at WordFM.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at WordFM.com slash tuitions. It took a
13: panicked run on a major bank to lead to the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And Moody's just downgraded the entire U.S. banking system from stable to negative. Just a reminder why many people diversify their portfolios with something tangible, something that doesn't need bailing out, something that can't vanish into thin air or texting now at 800-630-1495. Make sure you mention Salem when you call or text
15: 800-630-1495. On MyPillow's 20th year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You'll receive a queen size MyPillow for nineteen ninety eight. regular price is $69.98, and just $10 more for king size. In addition to the special anniversary offer on the MyPillows, you'll also receive Deep discounts on all my pillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for 1998. or call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com, call 800-391-0954. Use promo code WORD. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or call 800 Three nine one zero nine five four.
6: Reports of new state requirements for PA public school teachers have many parents concerned about racial equity learning resources in the classroom to gender and identity politics. Now may be a great time to try Christian education, a faith-focused education that believes in transparency, parents, and that values every student. Get half off a year's tuition beginning this fall at a participating school near you, like Pittsburgh Urban Christian School in Wilkinsburg. Learn more at wordfm.com tuitions. Pittsburgh Christian Schools, education that believes in you.
3: Barbenheimer was something. I had two friends who 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 did it last Saturday, and I think it cost him eighty four dollars or something. So it's not for the faint wasn't for the faint of heart on opening weekend, but uh, neither one of them regretted it. They thought it was a really terrific experience. They loved seeing both the films. They loved comparing and contrasting them, and um, they definitely had a specific idea of which one should be viewed first. Well, we're not going to talk about Oppenheimer today, but we are going to focus on Barbie because there are three people who are in on this conversation, and two of them have already seen the film. Happy to have Amy Peeler back with me, Associate Professor of New Testament at Wheaton College, also Associate Rector at St. Mark's Episcopal Church, Geneva, Illinois. Amy, welcome back.
8: It's so good to be with you today, Kathy.
3: All right, so Amy, you saw Barbie, and Lexi, my producer, saw Barbie, and I have not seen Barbie, so um, so tell me what it is that I'm missing. First off, mm-hmm. did you like it, yes or no?
8: Yeah, oh, wow, That's that's a hard to choose. I'm going to have to say yes on that, okay. even though that's a complicated yes, but...
3: Oh, okay. All right. I think it was net positive. Okay. So complicated. Yes. I like that. Um, Lexi gave it an enthusiastic yes. Uh, I, of course, Mm -hmm. am still a a question mark. Tell us what we need to know about Barbie Mm -hmm. without putting too many spoilers out on the air.
8: Sure, sure. I really think it's a wonderful opportunity, especially for believers to listen to the cultural zeitgeist. Like, what is the moment? Mm. What are people interested in that you had packed theaters, largely attending a film that's talking about gender politics for someone who's interested in that topic? Generally, I was kind of overwhelmed that so many people are interested enough to listen to this. I don't think the film gives the answers, but it really articulates the questions Mm. and the desires Mm. in a powerful way. And then believers can observe and listen and then enter into conversations with neighbors and friends and use it as an opportunity to point the way ultimately to Jesus, who has the answer for these things, these questions about death and who are we. Some really profound issues are raised by it.
3: Wow. Okay, that's I always like a film better that asks the questions as opposed to answers Mm -hmm. them. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I I think I'm going to really like this. Uh, So I played with Barbie when I was a kid. I was committed to Barbie. I want you to know, Amy. So uh, and by committed, I mean that I had the Barbie condo with the elevator. I had the wow. I had the wow. Barbie like uh it was like the vacation van or something like that which I liked very much but my favorite thing was probably the super creepy Barbie head which was just to do her hair. I mean I that right. I, so weird. Can totally picture
8: that. Yes. No, I I share with you maybe not your level of commitment sure. but I certainly enjoyed them and had the clothes and I think like many young girls loved inventing their stories like I would keep like little sheets of paper all about like where what are their parents names and where do they live and what do they do for a job like I use them as a way to tell stories oh I love that I loved that part of it yeah
3: Sure. Okay. So um, I also love to tell stories. And I did a little mixture because at the same time that I was playing with Barbies, I was also reading Nancy Drew. And so I would, so I kind of crossed over in my mind, like Barbie became Nancy Drew. It was kind of, you know, it's one of those things, but the imagination of it is the thing that kept me giving Barbies to my girls when they were little. Uh, I was, I really wasn't concerned about the, Oh, that's not an accurate body type. Like, of course, it's not an accurate body type. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not giving, most of our dolls are not accurate body types. That's not why we have dolls. Um, But the imagination is what I wanted to kind of see how they would develop. Mm -hmm. So talk about that and how does that connect with the movie?
8: Yeah, it is incredibly imaginative. And as I've talked with different friends and family members over the last week after having seen it, I realized like all good art, you can see really different things. And so I think the film itself stimulates imagination. I mean, there are parts that are very Surreal, and then of course, there are parts in the real world that are asking these hard questions. So I think it becomes like an amazing sculpture or something that a group of friends could stand around and say, Well, Mm. I see this, or I see this. Mm. And so it becomes a stimulator for really good conversation.
3: Dr. Amy Peeler is with me. She is professor of New Testament, associate professor. I almost promoted you there for a minute. Amy. Uh, associate... well, actually, actually, that's correct. <gasps> I,
8: I was promoted July one, so so I should have. Uh, we can change that now. How about
3: <laughs> that? Good for you, my friend. That is awesome. Amy Peeler is professor of New Testament at Wheaton College, and has just yeah. and has just seen the Barbie movie. Um, I wonder how many professors at Wheaton have seen Barbie.
8: You know, I think a good number, because there's been a pretty active text conversation going around, and a number of us have, and we cannot wait to all get back and discuss it. So I know my former colleague, Beth Felker-Jones, just posted a really good sub-stack about it this morning. So I think this will become part of conversation. Because I teach classes on gender and scripture, I think I might require students to engage with it, because it's such a major cultural moment. Mm -hmm. And then I'm really looking forward to having class conversations about it, even this
3: fall. Hmm. All right. So take us through some of the questions that you think the film is asking. Yeah. So one of them is
8: the producer, the director, Greta Gerwig, um, attended Catholic high school. I read a little bit about her. And so he's very much playing with the Genesis narrative. In the Barbie world, Barbies are prominent and first, and Ken is just the accessory. And unfortunately, I think that's how some people have read the Genesis narrative in Christian and Jewish Scripture, that Adam really is where who matters, and then Eve is just his accessory. Now, I don't think that is the best way of reading Scripture. I don't think either the Old or the New Testament really asks us to get there, but it's certainly a common misunderstanding. And so to see that script flipped and what if it was like women were the only ones who mattered and the men had to kind of find their way in the world it was a really fascinating, again, piece of art to get me to think differently. So I think that's one of the questions that the film raises. Okay. Can there be a world in which it's not men over women or women over men? Can there be mutuality? Can we work together? I think that hunger is articulated in the film, but I don't know that it, again, like you said, I don't think it ever gives the answer. And and that's probably a good thing. It makes us think. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the major pieces. The second is Bobby, Barbie is really dealing with mortality. And that's why I think the Barbenheimer comparison is actually not just a marketing ploy, but both films are really wrestling with human mortality. What is it that we die, that we create tools that, that manifest death? And she has to make decisions about, is she going to live in an immortal, perfect world, or is she going to choose this world of mortality in my mind, now maybe I'm putting this too much, but it, it totally made me think of our Lord who was willing to take on human mortality for us.
10: Mm-hmm.
8: Uh, so I think, uh, it, again, it gets to some real human basic needs and desires, even though it's packaged in this kind of fantastical way. Yeah. That's not all that it's about. Okay.
3: Okay, so all of the previews that we've seen on YouTube, I think I've seen about 600 of them, because anytime wow. I go to watch something on YouTube, it pops up, right? right. Um, and, this, and same with Oppenheimer. Um, it seems funny and silly. Um, mm-hmm. But everyone yeah. I've talked to who've see, who's seen it says it is funny and silly. But also, mm-hmm. somehow in the same film, it's asking these important questions.
8: Right. Oh, I laughed so much. And I'm not sure at some point my husband said you were laughing louder than anyone else in the theater. You were kind of embarrassing me because so much of it, like, because I tend to read a lot of gender theory, I felt like everything was kind of things that I care about. And I'm sure there are 10 other people who do. So there's a lot of humor for those who are interested in yeah. philosophical topics, but then it's very moving. One other thing I haven't mentioned is it has a lot to reflect on on the relationship between mothers and daughters that's really at the mm. center of the film uh, a mother and a teenage daughter because my oldest my daughter is 15 I really connected with that uh, and so there are moments that I was laughing and there were moments that I was crying in the film and the, and the whole audience was kind of silent at several points reflecting on the weight of what was being said mm-hmm. so I think maybe I'm shifting here to not a complicated yes but but a pretty uh, uh, exuberant yes for all the good that it offers i mean there are maybe your listeners would be aware of critiques that have come it's anti-men or it's against motherhood mm-hmm. i don't want to de-legitimize those concerns and you know there might be people who see it really differently but i don't think that's the only interpretation so my admonition is there's nothing there for believers to be afraid of Uh, If we can stand in our, you know, solidness of God's revelation, then we can engage with things uh, and not be threatened by them. But I recognize that other people may say, no, it really has things I don't want to participate in. And that's fine, too.
3: Amy, this is a big question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. uh, And you can answer whatever, uh, kind of react to it however you'd like. I'm wondering how you feel. You know, you spend a lot of your life talking and reading about, uh, gender in particularly within a Christian context. And so I guess I right. want to ask you how you feel like our culture's doing, like give us yeah. a, a report card <laughs> on how we're doing yeah. dealing with gender. And then I I want to ask you how you think the church is, is doing report card wise yeah. dealing with gender.
5: Yeah.
8: Yeah. I think in both places, largely, There is a lot of confusion, actually, and there are different kinds of confusion. And so I think our our culture without Christian faith is kind of feels like anything goes. And that's actually kind of. Scary. Uh, I don't. I think we're given some boundaries in Scripture that are for our good. So that's what I see going on in culture. In some places of the church, and of course, different traditions are going to manifest different. But we certainly don't have a track record that we could say to secular culture: "Look, the church has this perfectly. We have oh, this no figured kidding. out." Have, uh, I mean, it's embarrassing, honestly, the ways that we've failed to live up to the standards God has given us, but. For me, that doesn't mean that I get embarrassed by my Christianity and run away from it. As I have pressed in more deeply to God's revelation, both in creation, but chiefly in Scripture, which points ultimately to Jesus, I really have, I think, I think those, I think Christian faith gives us the answers that culture is longing for, both the boundaries, but also the the in, uncompromised value of both men and women, and I I think the church has an exciting opportunity to rise to the occasion in a in a moment in which all of America is interested in talking about this and say you know our Lord and the the text of our faith point us to a beautiful picture where we all have meaning and we can all partner mm-hmm. together. Boy, I I I second that. To kind of get out there and talk to people about it and say, hey, if you're interested in these things, can I tell you about Jesus? So it becomes very evangelistic in my mind.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that um, because I think it's different than people expect who might be listening to this Mm -hmm. program because of the way our culture is talking about gender by hearing Mm -hmm. like two women talk about gender uh, in regards to the Bible I I think the assumption is, oh, these are two libs, Amy and Kath, Mm. and they've fallen off the left Mm. side of everything. And, you know, they think that (laughs) that we're going to start, you know, addressing God as mother and, you know, uh, all of those things. We're trying to Mm demasculinize the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way even a little bit. Um, But I am very intent on trying to Mm -hmm. look at the Bible for itself and not have like 1950s America glasses Mm -hmm. on when I read it. Right. Um, So just talk about that a little bit in our last few minutes.
8: Yeah, I think a wonderful place to start with that is to go back to creation narrative, because I think that's as I mentioned, you know, this whole is Adam more important than Eve or Eve more important than Adam. The, the account that we're given there is that both are created in God's image. And that even when Adam is given the job of killing the garden, the next thing God says is, it's not good that you're alone. I, I have, even through the last week of reflecting on this movie, come to read that in a slightly, I think, better way, that God lays out what Adam is supposed to do only to be able to tell Adam. Hey, you can't do this on your own. <laughs> and I think that's been reflected in the ideal of the church. I think of First Corinthians 11, where Paul says, in the Lord, men and women cannot be separate from one another. So I don't see that as any kind of imposition, liberal imposition on scripture. I see that the questions that culture is asking helps me to actually focus on the, what the Bible has always said, mm. uh, pointing to the God who created us. Uh, in love and for good purpose, both men and women. That so is really good. I don't think that's yeah. a you know what? I think that's, are we reading scripture within the grain that it's pointing us? Yes.
3: And that's what I want to be looking for. Amy, I wish we had more time to talk about it, but we are done time-wise. That's Amy Peeler, professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. Amy, thanks for joining us again today.
8: Always good to be with yeah. you, Kathy. Yeah. I look
3: forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. It's Amy Peeler coming up next. It's the gardening guru, Doug Oster. Stay close. I sat through probably my 40th Memorial Day parade recently.
7: But on this particular day, I was kind of being a negative Nelly. It was scorching hot. There were a zillion people fighting for the same four parking spots. And no disrespect, but there were a lot of clowns. See? Negative Nelly. But as I sat there all embarrassing-like, I was hit smack upside the head with a big dose of perspective. As our veterans marched by and as thousands of people stood to our feet and gave the incredible men and women the thank you they deserve. And reminded me. I've got nothing to be negative or nelly about. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And veterans, you should know that the government offers you some significant advantages on new home purchases and cash-out refinances. Things like 0% down on purchases, no PMI, and the ability to cash out a higher percentage of equity than most. If you're curious, it would truly be our honor to try to help at United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, in New York. And a
14: 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The license.
2: Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
5: Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh.
6: What kinds of questions will your kids ask today?
7: Why do we go to church? Uh, what? Do the animals go to heaven? Well, can I get a laptop?
6: Huh. As a parent, you need solid answers now, because it sure doesn't get any easier the older they get. Can I get a tattoo? Well, Let's discuss this with mom. Focus on the family can help with biblically sound parent advice for families of all ages and life stages. Visit our parenting forum at focusonthefamily.com today because if you don't answer their questions, who will?
1: Heat advisory in effect late tomorrow morning through tomorrow evening. For tonight, it'll be humid with patchy clouds and a low of 70. Near record-breaking highs tomorrow, it'll be humid with clouds and sun, high 93. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy, warm, couple of showers and a heavy thunderstorm. Flash flooding and damaging winds possible, low 71. Mostly cloudy Saturday, humid, showers and a heavy thunderstorm, high 83. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: I was out, uh getting some herbs yesterday and I saw the very first spotted lanternfly in my yard. Now, I know I'm probably way behind most. I mean, everybody's shocked that I this is the first one I've seen. But for some reason, I guess I was living in a good pocket for a while. And of course, it's shot. Um, but to talk about that, it's, you know, it's not something that's just kind of a, a funny little bit of conversation. It is a pending crisis uh, when it comes to what the spotted lanternfly eats and what it means for the ecology in our area. So there's no better person to talk to about that than Pittsburgh's gardening guru, Doug O. Oster. You can find more about Doug at DougOster.com. Doug, glad you're here.
16: Glad to be here. First words are don't panic. Okay. Okay. Don't panic. Uh, we're getting a lot of new research on these pests. Uh, and, and before we even get started, do not make some kind of homemade recipe that you find online to deal with this insect. That's not the right way to do it. Uh, There's lots of things, and we'll talk about what to use, that are organic, that are effective, and can deal with this infestation. Uh, So the good news, right off the bat, I interviewed an entomologist from Davy Tree, and he had this great uh, new information that many pests like this, sucking insects they're called, they have like a little pump inside them that can suck out what they want from a plant. Okay. A spotted lanternfly cannot. Mm. And so it relies on positive pressure from the plant. That means that they can't feed on everything, okay? They're going to have some specific things they're going to be after. Secondly, he told me that the damage hasn't been as bad as was predicted. Okay. Uh, they're, and then he said, they're just gross. Okay. <laughs> And so they make this thing called honeydew, which is disgusting. It's basically what comes out of them. And that that is the part that is, is actually pretty terrible because as the adults uh, are are coming out right now, right now we're in what, what are called the nymph stages. And one of the questions people have had is, why does it look different? Because they start black, and then they turn orange, and then it turns into a winged, what looks like a winged insect and that's what this this certain insect does it molts into these different what are called instars or stages mm. and so when it gets to that big stage the adult which is next that's when we see a lot of honeydew and that that can be problematic for trees that they're on and they're they're not a flying insect they're what we call a leafhopper and so anybody who's tried to kill a nymph knows that that thing can jump about three feet real quick. So here's what we're using to control. And these are safe things for you, safe for the kids, the pets, and for people who live downstream. And they are very effective. The the thing we don't want to do is we don't want to just dose them with some broad-spectrum pesticide. Because it's going to kill, kill all the other stuff, all the good stuff, okay? We can deal with this. So you spray it right on the bug, and it doesn't jump off because you're, you're spraying from, you know, two feet away. One of them is called insecticidal soap. And get the get a, a spray bottle from the nursery, garden center, or hardware store. Don't mix up your own because it hasn't been tested with your plants, and, and it could affect other pests. And you spray that insecticidal soap or something called horticultural oil or something called neem oil. These three things. Now, it doesn't kill the pest, like, instantly, but as soon as that pest has the spray on there, it's doomed, okay? Okay. It takes a while. You know, like the horticultural oil basically suffocates the pest. I had a, a rose that was just covered with them, and I used that horticultural oil, and I went up there this morning there's not one of them left. Really? Yeah, and so th- this actually works. Now I know though that there are people that have thousands of them. Yeah. You know, and and the they're closest usually to a rail line. They're moving ac- from the east, started in Berks County, uh, Pennsylvania, Eastern Pennsylvania, and moving west. I think they were found in 2014. And they're moving west, and they're doing that through the rail lines. And their favorite thing to be on is called Tree of Heaven. And Tree of Heaven is a weed tree. It's an invasive. It's one we don't really like. And I was out at a property you know, doing a garden consult, and they wanted me to point out the Tree of Heaven because they wanted to take the Tree of Heaven out. And I said, that's not the idea. The idea is if you've got a Tree of Heaven that's 100 feet away, keep it. And that's your what we call a trap crop oh, okay that's that's going to be the thing that the lanternfly is going to want more than anything because again, it has that positive pressure that when they stick that little thing in there to try and get what they want out of that plant, the pressure of that uh stem is going to release that fluid that they want, and so it don't just take down all your tree of heavens, keep the tree of heaven so that that's something that they will will want more than anything. You know, but there are you know other and they crops. are
3: everywhere, all over the city. Yeah, area.
16: It, it, it's more of a. Um,
3: it's like a it's a pest. It's like a weed tree.
16: Yeah, yeah, and, and do you think so? Oh, it, it's definitely what it is. It's a weed tree, and it's uh, again one we don't care about. So let the lanternfly live there. Yeah. If you cut if you if you would cut down all those trees, you're not eliminating the lanternfly. You're moving the fly onto the plants that you love. That's what you're doing. And so that's why we're leaving the tree of heaven where it's at, so that, uh, again, it attracts that lantern fly.
3: Got it. Doug Oster's with us. Gardening with Doug. You can find out at dougoaster.com. Doug, we need to take a break. We're going to be right back in a minute, continue our conversation about that nasty spotted lantern fly, uh, and also exactly how we can apply these three uh, insecticidal soap, um, horticultural oil, and neem oil. Exactly how that gets from us to the bug. That's next. Right home.
5: WORD.
14: Join us when Chuck Swindoll presents an uplifting study in 2 Peter.
1: I've heard people say, well, I love a lot. I just don't show it. That's a funny kind of love. What if God did that? I love this world. But I just prefer not to
14: show it. it doesn't make sense. This topic and more when Chuck Swindoll presents his study of 2 Peter called Conquering Through Conflict. This week on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. This is a special
17: alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-353-2973 now drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-353-2973. That's 800-353-2973. What do you have to lose? Call 800-353-2973. Again, 800-353-2973.
15: On MyPillow's 20th year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell and the My Pillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their My Pillows. You'll receive a queen size My Pillow for nineteen ninety eight. Regular price is sixty nine ninety eight, and just ten dollars more for a king size. In addition to the special anniversary offer on the My Pillows, you'll also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen size My Pillow for. 1998 or call 800 391 0954. Use promo code WORD. This offer comes with a 10 year warranty, so you know it's going to last and a 60 day money back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want but need. Go to mypillow.com, call 800 391 0954. Use promo code WORD. That's mypillow.com, promo code WORD. Or call 800 391 0954. MTS stands for Master of Theological Studies, and it's a
1: two-year degree for those who want to just deepen in their theological knowledge. With an MTS degree from RPTS, you can be ready for whatever God calls you to. We have three areas of concentration, biblical counseling, Biblical studies, either the Old or the New Testament. You can also do one in doctrinal or historical studies. Learn how to get your Master of Theological Studies degree entirely online at rpts.edu. Rpts,
6: study under pastors.
3: We're back with Doug Oster. Doug joins us regularly on the program. He is Pittsburgh's gardening guru editor of Gardening with Doug at Doug Oster O-S-T-E-R dot com. Okay, Doug. So talk to me about uh, these three treatments for Spotted Lanternfly. You said insecticidal soap, horticultural oil, and neem oil. You should all buy them in the nursery, not some crazy recipe for it that you find on Facebook. Um, oh,
16: do you yeah, put that, Kathy. Yeah, go ahead. Just, just let me tell you that these homemade recipes that are coming out are, are, are crazy. And uh, it's, it just it makes no sense use something that's been scientifically tested we we know they work so go ahead i'm sorry to interrupt
3: it's no, okay you. do you put it in a spray bottle
16: you can buy it as a spray bottle and some of it you can buy as a concentrate where you mix up your own if you have a sprayer or you can, or if you have a spray bottle and you need a lot of it if you've got thousands of these things some people do have thousands of them uh you know i am i have little infestations which aren't a big problem but boy I've been reading about all the, you know, like I said, thousands at a time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a spray bottle. Uh, if you had thousands, you'd probably want to have, like, a pump sprayer, and you can get further away. That gets on them, and they're, they're done for. There's one more thing that we're using, but you have to be careful with it. Again, it's organic, and it's called diatomaceous earth, and it's like a dust. Uh, and on the microscopic level, it's very sharp. Use it for all sorts of insects, ants, and anything crawling, and you just you just kind of uh, sprinkle it onto the plant where where they're at, and when they if they walk through it, the, that microscopic you know sharp part pierces them, and then they're just they're done for. But if you do it, if you're going to use diatomaceous earth, you must wear a mask. Not that it's a poison. But because it's sharp on that level, it mm. can ir- irritate your na- nasal passages. Uh, I use that a lot, you know, when people tell me they have, especially like ants around the house, just, I say put a little diatomaceous earth down. Every time it rains, you have to reapply. But for our other liquids, for the neem oil, the horticultural oil, and the insecticidal soap, and they all work about, about as effectively as each other. It's, yes, yeah, spray bottle or some kind of you know pump sprayer you know i have a pump sprayer because i'm you know spraying different things for trees and such and that can get it on them and it has to get on the pest itself and again it's safe for us that's the most important thing uh you're you're not going to you know good bugs mammals uh the dogs and cats they're not going to be adversely affected
3: Okay, and for people who were just joining us, um, who weren't with us in the first segment, uh, these are three treatments for the spotted lanternfly, but you have to spray it actually on the bug. I'm right about yeah. that, correct? Okay,
16: right. And and the ones we're seeing now are just like little crawling insects that are right about right now are getting to that adult stage where they're going to be about an inch long and have wings, and they're they're the problem. Kathy is that they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. When, they're, when they're adults, they're beautiful and they're colorful, and the, those colors are telling predators, I'm poisonous, even though they're not. That's a trick that nature uses. And we've had a problem with people not wanting to kill them because they're beautiful. Uh, if you see a, a spotted lanternfly, you're supposed to report it uh, to Penn State. You can just get online and see how to do that. And you're also supposed to try and kill it. That's the idea. What we're hoping for. Is that nature will create a balance with these insects, as it often does, and predators will learn that this is something they can eat. Already, we're, we're seeing through research with Penn State that there's a bunch of different things that will eat them. You know, it's it's funny because we usually see something like chickens eating whatever the pest is first, because for people who have chickens, they they they're. You know, they're right there. We can see what the chicken's doing. They're like, oh, my gosh, that thing is eating a spotted lanternfly. That tells us that other birds that we, you know, we can't see all the time, they're finding them, and they're going to eat them. And we're not going to get rid of the spotted lanternfly ever, probably. But we're hopefully going to get it under control to where it's not that bad of a problem. That's the idea, and that's the hope, anyway, with the research we're seeing right now. But this is very new. And and we're we're learning as we go. OK,
3: Doug Oster with us. Doug, let's switch our attention to the hot summer garden, because that's what I'm calling mine. <laughs> it's very hot out there. Some of the stuff in my garden is just outperforming any of some of my like my <laughs> my most generous expectations. And then some things have just completely crashed and burned. Uh, so talk about what we can expect at this time of the summer.
16: So peppers and tomatoes are in heaven.
3: Mm-hmm.
16: This is what they 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 long for. Other plants, not so much. You know, certainly when we go to uh, different flowers. Let's say, for instance, you planted pansies early in the spring, and I've got pansies out in the vegetable garden. They're looking pretty good, but they just they can't, you know, yeah, they can't sure. stand this intense heat. Luckily, we're getting some rain here and there, even though it's in the form of some scary storms. But if your garden's not getting rain in this heat, water is everything, uh, and fertilization, especially when we're talking about our containers. You know, most containers are filled with these plants that love warm weather, but if it dries out, you're going to be in trouble. And so water and fertilize these contain- anything you have in containers, because these long days and this, this heat is, uh, you know, the plants are eating up all those nutrients that are inside those containers. They've probably already eaten up all those nutrients. And so a good fertilization, liquid organic fertilization, and making sure they never dry out is going to go a long way to having a great garden. And so, Kathy, I'm, I'm like you. There, I've got so many plants. It's like a jungle out there yeah. right now because yes. of this, this warm weather. But I'll tell you what, a day like today, you're not going to get me out there except to run from the kitchen to the pool. Right. Okay. What about time? I'm not doing any. I'm not doing any gardening today. I don't
3: blame you. I don't. You're not going to see me out there either, my friend. What about time of day for watering? Does it matter? Yes,
16: yeah, so always in the morning if you can do it. Now, here's the caveat on that: it, to be, you know, for it to be perfect, we want to do it first thing in the morning. We want to soak the plant at the bottom of the plant. Plants that are growing in the soil only need to be watered once or twice a week, and that's if we don't get rain. And to, to tell if they need water in the garden, you go out there and you just you push your finger down as far as you can to that dirt. If you have dry dryness there, there, you need water. If it's moist, don't worry about it. But it's better to get water on the plants than not have water on the plants if they're dried out. So if it, it has to be later in the afternoon, all we want to happen is we want these leaves to dry out if possible. You know, uh, tomatoes are very susceptible to fungal issues. And when you have this... Humid weather, yeah. and they're wet all night. You know, we've got a, a thunderstorm here in Ross Township last night at, like, you know, three in the morning. There's nothing you can do about it. But when you water, if you can get it so when that plant will be able to dry out, those leaves will be able to dry out. That's why you keep it at the bottom if you can. But water on the plant when it's dry, is no matter when you do it, is better than not not doing it at all hmm. does that make sense yeah sure
3: absolutely <laughs> all right good and what about the nice vegetables I have growing in my compost pile um, are do I keep I mean do I keep them there do I re? can I move them to a different part of the garden what's what's up with that
16: you mean compost surprise yes <laughs> I've got some potatoes in my compost do bin. You? So on the potatoes I'm just gonna leave them there and let them do their thing okay and and then I'll reach down there and get them but uh, at this point, if you had a tomato or a pepper in there, you might be able to get away with moving the pepper out of there if you 've got proper sun and that plant can do its thing there 's no better place for it, so just leave it alone, pile. yeah, okay, yeah, and that 's what i 'm doing with my potatoes, so hopefully i 'll be getting some some nice potatoes in that uh <laughs> out of those compost bins i've I've grown tomatoes in the past out of the compost bin, and you never know what you 're going to get, but it 's always fun to see. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I came out about a, a week ago, and I thought, "Oh my! I, got, I have pumpkins here. This is very exciting."
16: <laughs> if you eat avocados and you put the seeds in your compost pile, you always get avocado trees too, which is really cool. I've, I actually brought two or three of them from the compost pile inside, and they're growing as house plants. Get, never get out! An avocado, they'll never get an avocado on there, but it's a cool-looking little tree. Is that right? Yep, that's what you're going to have to try next.
10: Wow. Okay. Sprout those,
16: sprout, those, sprout those avocado seeds because it's really cool. Oh. It's really cool to watch them sprout. And um, the tree is tough as nails inside. You know, keep it on the dry side. And it's just a cool looking, you know, kind of tropical looking plant. And you can tell everybody who comes over, oh, I, I did that from seed. I, uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> right. I have quite a green thumb. I'm Kathy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug, thank you so much for being with me today.
16: Well, thanks for having me on. You know, I love being on your show, and uh, wasn't it nice when John wasn't here, just the two of us, to be able yeah, to chat? Yeah, exactly.
3: Oh, Lexi,
16: would you clip <laughs> that,
3: and you can send it to John? Don't, tell, he, it, don't
16: tell him that. Don't tell listen, him that. Listen,
3: he's at the edge of the ocean. What does he care, Doug?
16: <laughs> see ya. I know. He's on vacation.
5: Attention. Your money is now controlled by the U.S. government.
4: Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800 900 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000.
12: The roof was completely gone. All of our memories being wiped away.
1: The rain is what got us. 20 minutes of sheer terror. And you can
13: feel it in your body. I watched the fire move down the canyon. The rumbling of the house.
12: My son started screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. In the name of Jesus, we are not going to die. At Samaritan's Purse, we bring spiritual and physical aid to hurting people around the world. We go into dangerous situations because in disaster, in disease... In war, Jesus calls us to love our neighbor, to heal the sick, feed the hungry, restore the broken. All who work and volunteer with Samaritan's Purse follow the example of Jesus. We go to serve, not to be served. And we go in Jesus' name. Join us at SamaritansPurse.org. That's SamaritansPurse.org.
6: Plan now to join Word FM Friday, August 18th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress for another fabulous dinner cruise. From 6.30 to 9, relax in the company of fellow believers as you enjoy a fantastic dinner buffet, music, and stunning views of the city skyline. The ride homes John and Kathy will be your cruise directors for this amazing night. Don't miss the boat. Last year's event completely sold out. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash dinner cruise.
3: What an incredible story. Just to close out today's show that was uh, posted in CBS News today. Check this out. Lexi, you're going to love this. Sherry Shaw and Bill James, both age 70, met for their first date during a huge storm, a nor'easter, in fact. But that wasn't their biggest challenge because shortly thereafter, Sherry was diagnosed with stage 3 colorectal cancer. She suggested, you know, they just started dating, that they break off their relationship, but Bill wasn't having any of it. Sherry started this uh, brutal chemotherapy regimen. I'm sure there are many people within the sound of my voice who know what this is like. Um, She said it made it difficult even to stand some days, but Bill stayed by her side the whole time, as did her two oncologists, Dr. Emma Holliday and Dr. Van Morris. Doctors Holliday and Morris were realistic about the difficult treatments that she was going through, but they also were hopeful that her disease could be neutralized. So Sherry did this for months and months. and after the treatment concluded, she was able to return home to North Carolina with James, and she was declared cancer free. So within a week, James asked Sherry to marry him. And that's when the story gets even better, because Sherry started thinking about how fortunate she had been to have two doctors who not only supervised her treatment that went on for so long, but who stood by her side emotionally when she didn't think she could keep going. This is what Sherry said, quote, I realized that these doctors were such a part of me being able to marry my best friend that I wanted them there with me to celebrate. But more than that, I wanted them both to walk me down the aisle so that they could actually give me to Bill because they were the hands of faith that saved me and allowed me time to get married. Dr. Morris said that while the lows can be very low as an oncology doctor, the highs can be pretty high. The bride said at the end of the wedding, I was so honored that my doctors came. I was so honored that they took time out of their schedule to be here for me. They got to see what they saved me for. I mean, <laughs> Lexi, am I? Is that the best story? I'm getting teary-eyed over that? here. You should see the pictures oh, of her with the doctor. I I'm mean, sure it's so it's fabulous. Amazing. One of the doctors is a woman, one's a man, and they're both standing with her, walking. It's just, it's, oh, <laughs> it's so excellent. Oh, heart. we talk about how we talk about how crazy people are, but also people are so wonderful. Oh my gosh. God's blessed us so richly. Anyway, I'm so grateful uh, for you all listening to the program today. Uh, John and I know that you're the reason that this show keeps going. And so we're so grateful. So John from the beach, uh, Lexi and I from the Word FM studios, we just want to tell you to have a terrific night, Pittsburgh, shelter yourself from the storms and do your best to stay as cool as you can.